0: to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3. Father, we thank you again for your word on the kingdom tonight. I thank you for continuing to open our eyes to the kingdom of God, who we are, who you are, and what you expect of each and every one of us, and I thank you for more revelation into our hearts and minds tonight, and we thank you for it, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, flipping to chapter 3. Look at verse 20. It says, for our conversation is in heaven. What's a, Anybody got a different version? The word conversation there is citizenship. Notice, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? Now, when I used to read this scripture from a religious point of view, I'd sort of read right over it for my citizenship is in heaven. The word citizenship never really registered to me at all because in religiosity you're either a member of a church or you're a member of a denomination or you're a Christian or whatever. I never thought of myself as a citizen of anything spiritually. When I read this scripture and went back to it, I found out that I was a citizen, not only a citizen, but a citizen of a place called heaven. So I started thinking to myself and I thought, you know, what the heck was God doing? Have you ever thought that? What the heck was God doing? First, he makes His solar system, and he creates heaven, and he creates earth, and he creates a planet, and then he takes this dust, and he makes a man and breathes into it and puts a spirit on the inside, and you just got to think, what the heck was he thinking about? And then I think about, as a man, I think about, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I here? Why am I staying alive? What was I put here to do? What am I supposed to do? Just waste 80 years? Supposed to have a couple kids, you know, and then retire and then sit around and die? Is that what I've been put here for? So as you start to read the Bible more and more, you see that there is something going on beyond what most people look and what most people see. And it is God who is the king creator basically at that time created a place called heaven, but he also created a place called earth. And he was figuring at that time, basically, as we were part of not only a citizenship, but the Bible says we're part of the household of God. That means you belong to a family, and that spiritual family is of God himself, with him being our Father. So God basically created a place called heaven, which is spiritual. You can't see it, but he also created a thing you could see, which was earth. And he wanted to make earth just like heaven, only he didn't want to come from heaven to earth to do it. He wanted to create people human beings, spirit beings in his image and likeness for them to live here and for them to let the kingdom of God be here. Of course, we know that was messed up and foiled, so God still never changes his plan. How many, don't matter how many times you mess up, God keeps going on with his plan. And sooner or later, you're going to get back in line and go with his plan. So basically what he did was he created man and he gave each and every one of us a purpose here. And that purpose is basically to extend his kingdom into this realm of the natural realm all human beings are searching for some kind of significance searching for some kind of purpose people who commit suicide don't do it because they have a purpose they do it because they believe they don't have a purpose and there's really no reason to be here people are wandering around on drugs alcohol and trying everything else why is that no significance they don't know what they're here for they don't have a purpose so since that's on the inside of them that emptiness in there they pursue something else that will help their pain in their situation because they're not doing what they're supposed to do so everyone here basically has significance Say, I have, I have significance. Have. Say, I have. I have a purpose. And that's born of you and God. God has on the inside of you a, a desire to belong, a desire to be significant, a desire to be a part of someone. And that's why in the natural we've created so many things. We've created the moose. People are belonging to the moose. They claim the, the lodge. They, they do the rotary club and all these. And everybody's looking to belong someplace and to fit in and be significant somewhere along the line. That's why we have denominations. Because denominations, ah, I'm a Catholic. I belong to the Catholics. I belong to the Lutherans. I belong to the Presbyterians. I belong to the Pentecostals. I belong to this and that. What's everybody trying to do? Fit in someplace and have significance someplace. Even people who have fit in for years into a certain club, don't even like it anymore and can't stand it, still stay in that club because they want to belong to something, even if it's not what they like. It's amazing, isn't it? But they'll stay there for 80 years, basically, their whole lifetime, and they don't even like what they're into. But all that is part of it, whether it's right or wrong, everybody needs significance. Why are gangs so successful? Because there's a lot of young men who are looking for significance, looking to belong to some place. And basically, since they have no place to go because of their families, they end up in a gang. In a gang, you're significant. In your gang, you're part of a family, to say. And they've got something, a purpose, and what they belong to. So everybody's looking to be significant somewhere. Everybody wants to make a difference in their life somewhere along the line. People protest. We see it all the time on TV. People are protesting for this, protesting for that. Then they interview the protesters and say, what are you protesting for? And they say, I don't really know. I just wanted to protest with everybody who was here. They don't even know what they're involved in, but they wanted to be part of something and significant, so they did that. Well, when you start to find out that we have become citizens of heaven itself, that we are in the king's family, and what he's doing is he's trying to get us in the family to do a family business with him. And that family business, of course, is to extend heaven into earth and become a full citizen of a place called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the biggest, it's the richest, it's the most glamorous kingdom in the whole wide world, and he wants us to be co-laborers with him. The Bible says we were created by him. How many of you know that? I believe people who aren't even born again know that they were created by him. But nobody reads the second part of that, you were created by him, but you were created for him. That means he was not created for me, which I thought for years. He was supposed to take care of everything. I, I was supposed to, he was just up to him. It didn't really have anything to do to me. No, I was created for him. In other words, you were put here for a significance, for a specific purpose, and you were put here. Now we've got people running around the world with no, no purpose, no significance. They know nothing about the kingdom of God. They know nothing about being a citizen, still searching, still looking for what they, what they don't know that they're missing because they don't know anything about spiritual. We also have a lot of people who've been born again who are the same way. Know nothing about the kingdom of God. They don't know they're a citizen of any kind of country or any kind of place. They know nothing about it basically because they've never heard it. So many of us are not responding to the invitation of being a citizen of the kingdom of God and also being in the family of God itself. So basically God has called each and every one of us to rule on earth for heaven. In other words, we were put here basically to be rulers here on the earth in place of God, who's not going to come here. He didn't want to come here. That's why he created us. So God's goal is basically to extend his experience from the invisible world to the visible world, and he wants to do that through family members. Say, I'm a family member. So he wants his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. So if you want to be important, you want to be in your significance, you need to become a part of the family business. That is your purpose. That is your significance. And that's the only thing that will give you a fulfilled life. Everyone needs to be born again into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, to become a citizen of a heavenly country of God. We need to take our place in God's plan and God's purpose for our life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to once again open up immigration policy so that we could be born again back into heaven itself Become part of the family of God and become a citizen in the kingdom of God. He came basically to open up immigration out of Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom where God wants everyone to be. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 13. It says, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So earth was designed to be a colony, basically, of a country called heaven, to be an extension of heaven itself. Earth was just like heaven. God wants it to be just like heaven like many smaller countries even in the natural realm we see countries who have colonies Great Britain basically has colonies Bahamas was one time a colony of Great Britain Barbados was a colony of Great Britain if you go to Haiti, one time they'd speak French. Why? Because they were a colony of France. Spain, basically, Cuba is a colony of, of Cuba. Why do they speak different languages there? Why do they look different? Because they were a colony of a major country. Now the Bahamas isn't anywhere close to Great Britain. It's completely on the other side of the ocean, but yet they act like people would act if they were in Britain. In other words, they drink tea. In other words, they drive on the wrong side of the road. They speak British English, Proper English. Why do they do that? Because they were influenced by the home country into the, the country they're in now, which is the Bahamas. That's the way they are. That's why everybody speaks different languages because everybody at one time was a colony of another country, whatever country you're a colony of, you speak that language. So basically in in different languages. So Cuba, speaks. you go there, they're gonna speak Spanish. You go to Haiti, they're gonna speak French. You go to the Bahamas, they're gonna speak proper English. They do that, And, and about all the people in these countries, if you note it, are of African descent. They're not of British descent, they're not of Spain, they're not of anywhere else, they're of African, but they came there, th- they situated there, and they were influenced by the mainland country to live like them, act like them, even though they were not ever the same kind of people as they were. So there's an influence there. That's what God wants to do basically from the spirit realm to the natural realm. He wants to influence us and the world here with kingdom ideas, with kingdom morals, with kingdom thoughts, and also with kingdom language. That's what he wants done. The colonial influence of Britain is obvious. If you ever go to the Bahamas, you will definitely notice that they were under British rule at one time. People should know that we were under kingdom of God rule by the way we act, by the way we talk, by the way we respond to situations. And uh, basically, a kingdom is just the governing influence of a colony another territory, and basically what does he want to do? He wants to influence with his morals. He wants to influence with his culture, with his language, and with everything that he does. In other words, God is trying to bring heaven into the earth. I was taught as a Christian I want to die and go to heaven, but it's the complete opposite. God's more concerned about earth. Your job here is not to get to heaven. Your job is to influence the earth while you're on the earth. The focus has been completely taken off and taken on to heaven, and basically that's not God's goal. God's idea is the earth. He created the earth. He wants the earth changed. He wants it it taken care of. But in order to do that, he needs people who are already here. Now, even if you know, like in the Bahamas, the king of England never went to the Bahamas, and most of the Bohemian people never went to Britain but yet still they act like they live in Britain, talk like they live in Britain so thank God we don't have to go to heaven because in order to do that we got to die don't we? And if we're going to die you're not going to make much influence on the earth here because you're already dead but I tell you you're going to talk good up there and you're going to live and you're going to have the good morals and everything like that so basically what's God doing? He's trying to export his culture into our land down here in the earth so a colony is basically a group of citizens they're established in a foreign territory They are put here to influence the territory for the home government, which is heaven itself. All right, go to Titus chapter 2. All right, Titus chapter 2, look at verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to how many men? All men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I notice this is once again against everything that I was taught. For the grace of God brings salvation and has appeared to all men. I thought it was to some men and some men not, because some men certainly aren't getting it. So I thought it was to certain people. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Notice in this present world. Say, in this present world. Well, I was told when I die and went to heaven, that's when I was going to live godly. That's when I was going to have power. That's when I was going to have peace. That's when I was going to have health. But notice here it says, in this present world. And in order to do that, you have to deny some things. You have to deny ungodliness. So when you were born into the kingdom of God, you were born into a completely different arena a different culture a different everything the bible says we have translated out of the kingdom of darkness which is satan's kingdom and we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son at that time you changed kingdoms you changed ways of doing things But the problem is we had some ways already we were doing things and the ways in the kingdom of God are not like the ways we were doing things before we came into the kingdom of God. So what do we do? We start reading the constitution and we have to forget some of the old ways and learn the new ways of God himself. We go to the Bible and we find out how Jesus operated. Jesus was basically the kingdom on two legs. If you watch Jesus, that was the kingdom in motion. That was the kingdom in action. When a storm came, he didn't freak out and scream and holler. He basically stood up and spoke to the storm. When a tree didn't produce for him, he didn't get an ax and cut it down. He spoke to the tree and he killed the thing on the spot. What was he doing? He was living like a kingdom citizen should live here in the earth realm. So we have to get rid of some of our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing things. Remember Paul, when he was talking about getting born again, he said, everything I learned up to this point is just dung. The whole stuff was a bunch of dung. He said, Now I gotta start all over and learn everything different. And one of the main things that God wants to take us out of is something called self dependency. Say self dependency. Basically in the in the other world when we're in the world of darkness, we everything was on us. We had a supply for ourselves. We had to take care of ourselves. We had to do everything for ourselves. As a matter of fact, we didn't want anybody to do anything for us because we were in charge of our own life. And that's that dominion spirit that was on the inside of you. One of the things that has come out of that is basically rebellion. Say rebellion. Okay, rebellion is sin. What am I doing? I'm rebelling against submitting to a higher power and authority that knows more than I do. And that's why, hallelujah, in the Bible it says, wives, submit to your Husbands. Well, we've got a problem with that, don't we? Many wives don't want to submit to their husbands. Many husbands don't even want to take their spot to be submitted to. And that's why we've got so much problem. Your kids, when they get to their teenage years and even before that, do not want to submit to their parents. Why is that? Because they know everything. They're self-sufficient. They don't want to be submitted to anybody. And it's the same way with each and every one of us. When we got born in the kingdom of God, you've now got to learn to submit to God and to His Word. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, you have to learn to submit to what he says. When he says forgive, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if you want to. It doesn't matter what they did. You are going to have to do it in order to submit to a higher power who knows more than you know. How many know he knows a better way to live? And how many know when you're trying to teach your kids, you're trying to teach them a better way to live, even though they don't want to submit to you and don't want to obey what you do. So everybody's having a trouble with rebellion, everybody's having a trouble with things. Why is that? Because that's where we were in the kingdom of darkness and it's hard to submit to that rulership. Well, the more and more we submit to God and to His ways, the better our life comes because God created us to live a certain way and you were created to live in righteousness and true holiness in your life. So anything against that is rebellion and rebellion, of course, is nothing but sin. So basically we have to switch our loyalties. All at once you've got to let the things of the world go and you've got to press into God. You've got to spend the time in prayer. You've got to spend the time with God. You never had to do that before because you had it all figured out at that time. Everybody knows everything about life but how to live it. they got all the answers to everything. But notice God will show you how to live it on a daily basis once you're born into the kingdom of God. You're going to start getting rid of some old habits. Some things you used to like to do all at once you're not going to like to do anymore you're going to get over that and you're going to be changed so we begin basically not only to represent our king but sooner or later we're going to start to resemble our king praise God and what is that? that is complete naturalization of a kingdom citizen in other words we're living as a kingdom citizen Whenever you come to the United States and you're not born here, you have to become a naturalized citizen. You have to be taught things and understand things in order, underneath the government in order to become one. So that's called naturalized. God wants us to become naturalized citizens to the point to where living as a kingdom citizen is natural for us to do and not a fight for us to do. In other words, there's going to come a day when you won't have to be wondering whether you're going to forgive somebody for three days before you do. You're just going to do it right away. You're not going to become offended and be that way for two months before you do it. You're not going to give your husband the cold shoulder for three months before it comes out. You're not going to do any of that stuff anymore. You're going to just instantly know that's not the way I live. That's not the way I do it. And you're just going to go on with your life and live naturally the way you should live as a kingdom citizen in the kingdom of God. So we're going to learn what it means to be a citizen of the earth colony of heaven. And not only does that help us in our walk and everything he gave us, but it helps us in our relationship with him. If anything's going to draw you closer to him, it's understanding of you and him, who you are. He's your father, you're his child. He's the head of the government, you're the citizen. And when you start treating him like a father and like a king, he'll start treating you like a citizen and a son. But if you don't treat him that way, if you're a rebellious son, then you're going to have trouble in your life, just like our kids have trouble when they go the wrong way. So basically, what's he trying to do? He's trying to teach us and show us the best way to live on this earth realm, and that is by getting in the kingdom of God and understanding the Constitution. All right, go to Luke chapter 19. All right, Luke chapter 19, let's start in verse 11. And as they heard these things, Jesus added and spake a parable, because he was nigh unto Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should appear immediately. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. He said unto him, Well done, good faithful servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little. You will have authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept, laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou is an austere man, thou takest up what thou layest not down, and reapest that what they did not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge you, thou wicked servant, Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up what I would laid down, and reaping what I did not sow." Now notice, if you look at this basically from a kingdom perspective, you can see exactly what he's talking about here. He's talking about that God has a kingdom down here. He set up a kingdom down here. And basically because of what Adam did, mankind lost the kingdom. So he sent Jesus here. Jesus came and made a way for everybody to be part of the kingdom again. So basically at that time, he opened up immigration policy. He went away then to a far country. How many know Jesus went back to heaven? So he's up in heaven. So basically, here's man responding. Man doesn't want to be part of the kingdom of God. They want to want to be part of what God has already did it. So the servants basically, three of them did good, but one of them didn't do very good, did he? He had a problem. He didn't do anything with what was given him. How many know that each and every one of us have been given gifts? Each and every one of us has been given a purpose. It's important for us to find our purpose in the kingdom and pursue that purpose and allow the giftings that we have to do that purpose to come out of our life and affect people around us. So basically the one guy didn't do anything. He put it in a cloth. What did Jesus do or what did the the king do? Was he happy about it? No, verse 20, and another one saying, Lord, here is thy pound which I have kept in a napkin, for I feared because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up what thou layest not down, and reapest what thou sow. And look what the man said, verse 22, and he said unto him, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up what I didn't lay down, and reaping what I didn't sow. So he was mad, wasn't he? He was angry because he offered them something. And notice what the guy did. He didn't blame his failure on himself. He blamed it on him, on the king himself. Well, if you wouldn't be such an austere man, if you wouldn't be the way you were, I'd have been able to do something with my gift. I mean, no, that's not going to work in the day when the time comes, praise God. It's not going to work for any of us. So you, you can't blame God for what's going on. You can't blame your spouse for what happens in your life. You can't even blame your kids, basically, for what goes on in your life because you have your own personal relationship with him and now we go back and we check out the world today. How does this relate to the world? Well, basically, how many know the kingdom of God is here? The kingdom of God is being extended. The kingdom of God is on radio. The kingdom of God is on TV being preached. The kingdom of God is being witnessed by people who are here. But how many know there's people out there who don't want the kingdom of God? They don't want God. Under, they don't want to be under God. They don't want to do. They don't want to submit. They don't want to get born again. And, man, their lives are just a total mess, and they still don't want to come into it what is that? and what has happened since then? well you look at the world today what does it look like? how's earth turning out? it's coming real good with our rejection of the Lord isn't it? basically we got bars on windows everywhere you got people in the cities burning down everybody else's building you gotta have a gun in your house just to stay safe there's murders every day people are afraid to even go outside and walk down the street basically marriages are falling apart because people will not submit one to another we have nothing to show the king right now but broken lives sickness and diseases everywhere even Christians are depressed. Bankruptcy's gone on everywhere. Homes are broken. Frustration. Corrupt government. But the king is still attempting to bring the kingdom into the earth. How many are glad he doesn't get discouraged? You know, God didn't say, Oh my God, that's it. I have had it. I have had it. 2,022 years of this stuff, and that's it. I quit. Now he's still trying. That means that we still have an obligation. We still have a purpose. We still have something to do because if he's going to do it, he's going to do it through us. When you go back to the start of this verse 11, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should come immediately. Say immediately. Well, the kingdom of God does not come immediately. The kingdom of God is like a seed that's planted in the ground. So we just plant seeds in people's ground. And what does it do? It grows day and night as they press into it. And it changes their life. So the kingdom of God is not a one-time thing that, bang, it's here, that's it. We thought it was that. We thought when Jesus came back the second time, that was the kingdom. But that's not it. That's no way the kingdom of God is described in here. So it's a gradual thing. I mean, the kingdom of God is extending gradually. Hopefully through this thing coming up, you know, in a couple weeks down there by the beach, that, that it's a gradual Pushing forward of the kingdom of God into people's lives who's never heard about the kingdom of God before. I pray to God they're preaching about the kingdom of God down there. Hallelujah. So can people can get it and people can go forward. So it's a gradual thing, but we are a part of it because basically, first of all, he needs to save you from you so you can do it effectively. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And one thing I found out about God very early that I definitely didn't like. I found out that he doesn't change and I have to. Ever felt like that? Come on, why don't you just straighten up? Why don't you just do what I'm telling you to do? Well, because what he was telling him to do wasn't right anyways. So God's not going to change, but we're going to have to change. Okay, go to Isaiah chapter 9. But God. Isaiah chapter 9. Well, look at verse 6. This explains it right here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, it's talking about Jesus, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. Sometimes when, when you don't feel like anything's happening in your life, you got to read the scripture. And you got to understand that the kingdom of God is increasing whether you see it around you or not, and just stay in faith about the whole thing. So here he comes. What did Jesus come to bring? Here it says he didn't come to bring religion. He didn't come to bring denominations. He didn't come to bring Muslims or any of that stuff. He came to bring a government. Say a Government. God. Because government basically is what takes care of chaos. What causes chaos in the earth realm? Government. What solves, go- what solves chaos in the, in the world? Government. The right government. So here basically he's talking about a government that's righteous. That means a government with a righteous leader, with a righteous president, with a righteous prime minister. And you should realize by now, just living here as long as we've lived here, that the governments that we have right now are not going to work. We've tried communism in different places, it's fallen apart. So we tried socialism, and that fell apart. Now we're trying democracy, and that's slowly but surely falling apart. And instead of curing chaos, it's basically causing more. Why is that? Because all these governments didn't come from heaven, they came from the earth. Anything that comes from the earth realm out of the kingdom of darkness may look good for a while but then it will be corrupt. In the last days there's going to be somebody by the name of the Antichrist. Have you ever read that in the Bible? And he's going to look really good for a while. He's going to be the answer to the chaos. But all at once it's going to turn around and everybody's going to see what exactly is happening and it's going to be a mess. Much like the governments that start out every place they start out. They start out wonderful with this dictator, then all at once he wants to control everybody and take everything over democracy starts real good we the people control everything well when we the people get dumb ideas then it's no good anymore see and that's what's taking place right now people are being brainwashed, so they're, they're believing things that aren't godly they're believing things believe it or not when this started it was supposed to be one nation under who okay well if it's going to be one nation under God then we almost got to do what God says to do for be, I mean that, I know that's deep take it home and meditate on it for a while praise God but it shouldn't be that tough praise God so we need to understand that there's going to come a day in my life and your life where the kings were going to go before the king and he's not going to ask, you know, how many times you went to church or how loud you clapped during praise and worship or if you jumped up and down at the right time. He's going to ask, how did you do in your purpose, which is extending the kingdom of God into other people's life? How has you demonstrated integrity into your life so that other people could see it? How did you act in peace and joy all the time when they were around you even though? No. And, you know, we've taught even that faith is something when you have faith, you don't have any troubles. Well, That's garbage. You're going to find out if you've got faith or not when you get in trouble, praise God. And everybody, well, you don't have any faith because he's in the midst of hell. Well, just keep faith during the midst of hell and you'll come out on the other side. That's what faith is for. Faith just isn't when the sun's shining. Faith is when the storm's coming. The Bible says when you're built on a rock, the wind and the waves still come against you, but your your house is not going to blow down. So faith is 24-7. Now faith is. So as faith people, basically, we're going to go through some stuff, but we're going to walk by faith and keep our peace and joy as we go through it, and we're going to be just fine and get out on the other side. Praise God. So we're not only earthlings, according to this, we are also heavenlings. Say, "I'm I'm a heavenling. Which means you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and also of the United States. We were taught to pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So we're expecting the Father basically will perform in the colony of earth just like heaven. It's a gradual thing and we are part of that. We are full citizens of heaven and representing the king of heaven himself. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. It says, Now, therefore, you are no more a stranger and a foreigner, but a fellow citizen with the saints and of the household of who? Of God. Okay, now this tells you something here. First of all, it says you're no more a stranger and a foreigner. That means at one time you must have been a stranger and a foreigner if you're no more a stranger and foreigner. But what are we now? We're fellow citizens with the saints, not church members, but citizens and of the household of God. So once again, we're seeing the difference here between what we thought. We thought we were members of a church. We thought we were members of a community. We thought we were members. But in the kingdom of God, you're not a member. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of heaven right now, not when you die and go to heaven. Heaven for a long time, and to most people, is just a... Like a, a figment out there, someplace, hologram, and basically it's on the other side. And when you get to heaven, it's going to be real and affect your life. But heaven will affect your life today. It's supposed to affect your life right now. You're supposed to be receiving things from the home country of heaven because our Father's there to supply our needs. So heaven is a real place, not when you die and go to heaven only, but right now in your life, heaven is a real place. We believe in a place called heaven after we die, but it has no significance in our life now, but it does. We haven't been taught that it has significance in every area of our life. What does it do? Well, for one thing, it basically gives us rights and privileges that belong to us while we're here on the earth. Basically, when you become a member of something, you just jump around. That's why church is so tough, because people become a member of a church. They get mad at that church. They become a member of another church, and a member of another church, and a member of another church. Well, you're not a member of any church. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God so you're a citizen wherever you go whatever you decide to do you're not a member of anything you are a citizen of the kingdom of God if you're a member of the moose or the lodge and you misbehave how many know they can kick you out you can lose your membership but you can't lose your citizenship unless you give it up unless you decide not to become a citizen so you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven you are not basically a member of anything when we did our 501c3 we had to put down how many members that we had in our church in order to become a 501c3 because you could have so many members well it was hard for me because we didn't have any members we had citizens at that time so it's tough to put on that but for them you had to put down little cards where people filled out that I'm a member blah 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 but you're not just a member and every church that you see out here is part of the kingdom of God Catholics are part of the kingdom of God Lutherans are part of the kingdom of God there's some things in those places that are kingdom but there's other things in those things that are not quite kingdom. So God takes the good out of everything. A little bit out of here. No, don't want that. Let's take this out of Catholicism. Oh, no, definitely don't want that. Let's take this out of Presbyterian. Oh, we don't want that. So there's a little good in either, but every group thinks they're it. Yeah. We're the Catholics. That's it. We're the Lutherans. That's it. Back in my mom's day, they didn't even get along. The Catholics walked down one side of the street and the Lutherans on the other side. One then they yelled, fish eater, fish eater. And the other ones yelled, meat eater, meat eater. Why is that? Because some ate fish on Friday and couldn't eat meat, and the other ones ate meat. So that's what they called each other. You're either a meat eater or a fish eater. That's what you are. And what it do? It put people into camps. And that's what the devil has done. A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. So we got a kingdom here, we got a kingdom here, we got a kingdom. But none of those are kingdoms, basically. And they're not rejecting the kingdom, they're reducing the kingdom. See, the kingdom is too big for one church. It's too big for one denomination. It's too big for Hindu, for Buddhist, for anything else. The kingdom of God is everywhere and everybody can be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and what's the sign of being part of a kingdom of God? You will know them by their fruits fruits. So you can have a Catholic person who's producing fruit, they're part of the kingdom of God even though they're Catholic but there's some things in Casalsim that are not part of the kingdom of God, see? So it's about all producing fruit, that's the thing, it's all about changing character, it's all about but how many know in order to be free by knowing the truth you have to be taught the truth to know the truth to be free you can't be taught a lie and come out of it. It doesn't work that way. And when you think that you're, you're set, this is it. If you're, if you're not a Catholic, you're going to hell. If you're not a Presbyterian, you're going to hell. If you're, no, it has nothing to do with heaven or hell, for goodness sakes. Hallelujah. It has to do with the whole kingdom of God, basically, is one kingdom, and we're all part. Some people you're not going to get along with based on doctrine. So just get over it. Why are you going to get along with them? Because you got the same daddy. That's it. He's my father, he's your father. How many in your own family have trouble getting along? But you got the same daddy, don't you? So you're still going to be brothers and sisters, aren't you? Now, you don't want to sit down and talk to them when they're talking completely anti-God, this, anti-God, that, but they're still part of the family of God and we're still all brothers and sisters whether we like it or not, praise God so citizen is basically about legalities, it's about a legal position that you've been put in, you are a citizen legal rights that you have been given, legal obligations that you have to follow in the kingdom of God, basically to stay in line with the kingdom you cannot be an outlaw in the kingdom of God and receive from the kingdom of God its rights and privileges you can't be an outlaw in the United States and receive rights and privileges that you normally get because you're going to be in jail and you're not going to be able to do a whole lot there. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. So not only does God have a responsibility, but we do too, don't we? That's why we not only seek first the kingdom of God and His, righteousness. his righteous way of living, His right standing, and then all these things will be added, added unto you, see? So we're not only a you know, part of a kingdom, but we're also at this time, basically we walk in line with the righteousness of God to become a full-time citizen. All right, go to Genesis chapter 2. All right, Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely what? die. Now here we see the original man. He's put in this wonderful garden. It's already growing things. He's not growing anything from scratch. He's not fussing. He's just picking fruit every now and then, checking out the trees, floating around, talking to God. Not any real work there. He ain't struggling or doing anything. And he's only got one thing to stay in righteousness with God. One, one thing, and that's not to eat the fruit off the tree. But he looked at the fruit, and it, the Bible says it, she looked at it, and she saw it. And it looked delicious. See where the feelings started overriding? The spirit, and it looks good. Boy, that's going to be good. I bet that's going to taste good. And what happened, it came to a point where she took a bite. And when she did that, at that time, she declared, and he declared independence from the kingdom of God. And they declared dependence to something else called the kingdom of darkness. There was no kingdom of darkness till that time. It was entered in, basically, at that time, and mankind became subject under it because of what he did, because of the one thing that he didn't do. Now, people say, in the fall, we never fell from heaven because we were never in heaven you know who fell from heaven the devil got thrown out of heaven he's the only one that fell from there so it's not the fall but it's us declaring independence basically rebellion basically we're not gonna submit to the king we're gonna do it our way and when they did that basically here it said you will surely die not only spiritually but you would also die physically so Jesus came to give us the opportunity where we could basically enter back into that garden per se or that citizenship he came and paved the way for each and every one of us so that not only us but our children and our grandchildren and everybody on the earth it can come back in and can be what the Bible calls born again anybody born of the flesh is of the flesh so you must be born of the spirit they are what? Spirit And people don't understand that. But you were born in the flesh. And when you're born in the flesh in a country, you received all the rights, all the benefits, your citizenship right here in the United States. When you were born in the kingdom of God, it was the same thing. So basically for two bites of an apple, and how many know it also triggered the, it's not my fault, right off the bat. Oh, it wasn't me, that woman thou. He blamed two people. Adam was good. That woman that thou gave me. He said split the blame. I'm not going to blame it on one of you 50-50 right here. You take 50% and you don't. Why would you do that? Because we do the same thing, don't we? We're always looking for a way out of our mistakes. We're always looking for a way to explain what we did wrong. We're always, no, you just don't. do that. You just repent move back into righteousness and go on with what you're supposed to be doing. Praise God. You don't have to talk God out of it. He definitely knows what you did and what's going on. So Jesus restored everything that Adam lost back to mankind in the kingdom of God. Jesus opened the ability to enter again into the kingdom of heaven by being born again. Once a citizen of heaven on the earth, basically is a colony, and we are trying to get everybody we can back into the kingdom of heaven and be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're put here to do. All right, go to John chapter 16. it's very hard sometimes to witness like a kingdom person if you don't understand kingdom things because you've got to understand that people can become citizens of a spiritual kingdom with a lot more stuff than you have here in the earth realm basically and and you see people all the time I mean people are coming across the southern border by the thousands by the millions why are they doing that they're coming across illegally some of them are being shot some of them are being raped some of them are being sold. Some of them are doing anything. They'll risk that simply to come out of a place into a better place, into a better government. They're fighting to get in there. In one scripture it says that the whole world will be pressing into the kingdom of God. Well, how are they going to press into this wonderful kingdom if they never heard about the kingdom to press into the kingdom? Are you following me? I mean, if you don't know about the United States, you ain't trying to come here. Don't make any difference. And I mean, if it's worse than what you got, you're definitely not pressing in to get it. I mean, nobody here is trying to sneak into Haiti. Yeah. Nobody's trying to get into Mexico no everybody's coming here why because it's a better place so when people know there's a better life for them there's a fulfilled life for them where is it it's by being in another spiritual country called the kingdom of God and when they get born again it's not just good you're going to heaven now just do whatever no they've got to be taught that they've got rights now that they've got power now that they've got authority now that all these things came with the kingdom of heaven and the change in your life will start to take place you know on the inside of you there's just such a wonderful miracle that God did to take out the old nature and put in the new nature of god on the inside of you so you can start making right decisions again all right look at john 16 verse 13 howbeit when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide us into all truth and he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you and all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I say unto you, and he shall take of mine, and he shall show it unto you." Hallelujah. I love scriptures when God's trying to make a point, don't you? I mean, remember in the beginning, he says, God made the heavens and the earth, then God made the cows, and then God made the horses, and then God made the trees. And then I'm thinking, what are you doing? Just saying, God made the horses, the trees, the cows. The, what are you doing? You wasted a whole chapter here. He's trying to show you that we create things by what we speak. See, he's making a point there. God's just not illiterate. He knows what he's doing. Look at it here. And he goes on. How be it when he, the Spirit of God, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of him for whatsoever. He shall hear. Shall he speak? Shall he show things to come? Shall he? I mean, you think, what are you doing, God? Are you okay? I mean... No, he's trying to explain to people that this person is a person, the Spirit of God. Not some kind of vapor, not some kind of smoke. He's an actual being who is a he. So he expresses that here. So what does God do when you come into the kingdom of God? He wants to extend his territory from heaven to earth. But once you get born again, you're going to need help to do that. Why? Because you don't know that much about the heavenly country you're trying to bring into the earth realm. So he gives you somebody on the inside of you who knows an awful lot about heaven all about God's morality, all about God's will, all about God's ways. Why? Because He is God. So he comes on the inside of you. What's he doing? He's constantly working on the inside of you. He's leading and guiding you into all truth. He's showing you what's right. He's showing you what's wrong. Why? So you can adjust yourself by the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And when he guides you into all truth, you become free. And now you have the ability to set someone else free with the truth that he has given to you. So the Spirit of God was given just for that purpose. When Adam sinned, he lost the Spirit of God. And once he lost the spirit of God, he was on his own. And how many know all he had in him was the devil's nature. He had no help from God whatsoever. So just like a seed of the kingdom of God grows, the seed of evil started to grow. I mean, you look at it right off the bat, you got two brothers, Cain and Abel. What do they do? Brothers killed each other right off the bat. You could see how things were progressing. Pretty soon you get to Sodom and Gomorrah. There wasn't two homosexual people in there. The whole city. Well, what happened? That, stu- that just all at once didn't jump in there and everybody got it it spread a little bit at a time, it spread, so now here comes the kingdom of God and it's the same way, it's it's like in yeast It sort of sneaks in there, and it's sneaking into you, and it's sneaking into your heart and it's sneaking into your thought life, and it's sneaking into your ways of thinking, and it's sneaking into your way of doing things, a little bit at a time sneaking in you, three measures, spirit, soul and body, so that you line up with the kingdom of God, and when people see you, pretty soon they're gonna see the kingdom of God on two legs, they're gonna see you in peace in the midst of a battle they're gonna see you speak to something, and it's gonna change, they're gonna see you lay hands on the sick and they're gonna recover, they're gonna hear you speak in a language, and think you're nuts, but you'll have to explain to them that that language is the kingdom language that you have been giving. So he gave us the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost doing? He's guiding us. He's leading us. But most of all, he's teaching. He's going to work. He's remodeling on the inside of you. Taking out some of the rotten wood. Putting on some of the good wood. You know, putting a new roof on you if you need that. That's what he does on the inside of each and every one of us. And of course, he does that through something called the Word of God. Okay, go to John chapter 20. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Okay, John chapter 20, look at verse 21. All right, Jesus is raised from the dead. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Peace be unto you. Now, why do you think he said that? Probably they weren't in peace, were they? I mean, you don't come and say peace to a peaceful room. Apparently, they were still freaking out over the whole thing. Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said unto them, Receive the Holy Ghost. So here's Jesus, he comes, he sees them, he's raised from the dead, the kingdom of heaven is open again, he's there, he hasn't gone back to heaven yet, but he breathes on them, say breathed on them. Now what does that remind you of? If you go back to Genesis, it reminds you of the very beginning when God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So here's the same thing again, so he tells man to receive, say receive. Now the R-E prefix means to do again, receive means to get. So he said, he didn't say, receive the Holy Ghost, because it wasn't the first time man had the Holy Ghost. He had to receive the Holy Ghost, because man had the Holy Ghost at one time. Rebelled, <laughs> lost the Holy Ghost, and now he says, receive. That's why everything in the Bible is a redeem. Why is it a redeem? Because man was deemed at one time. Now he got to be redeemed. Jesus came to restore. Why restore? Because he was stored at one time. He didn't need restored. He needed to restore him after he lost his store. See, so all these things are read that you read in the Bible. So Jesus came back. What was he doing? He was going to restore to man everything that man had lost through the fall. He was saying, receive once again the breath of life, the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost came back into the earth at that time and was living on the inside of men once more. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Did you ever read in a scripture when uh, you read it and you knew, you knew that 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 that was God speaking to you even though God, you didn't see him anywhere, but you knew that he put that in there. And, yeah. But way back then he was thinking, what do I need to put in there for Tom on uh, October 25th? Yeah, I better put that in there. And it's in there. Did you ever do that? All right, well, this, this is the one that got me. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine in is excess, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was a kingdom change for me in my mindset, because I was used to being drunk with wine, and all. At once God jumped right off the page and said, "Tom, stop being drunk with wine. Why don't you try being filled with the Holy Ghost?" and I thought, wow, that makes sense, let's see, hangover, no hangover, feel terrible, feel good, yeah, so I said, well, I think I'll try that, I think I'll start being filled with the Holy Ghost, so as you read this thing, there's going to be things that come out of here, even when you're reading it, you know, if you're somebody who lived in unforgiveness your whole life, then you're going to read in there that, where Peter says, "Uh, can I forgive seven times seventy, can I seven times, he said, no, seven times seventy, and it's going to look at, right at you it's gonna like your names in there it's gonna say <laughs> but that's what the Word of God does it finds you where you're at it locates you and the Spirit of God I mean he, he talk about a surgeon he is it man he'll take that Word of God and cut things out of you and cut things and move things around and shift things but he does it through the Word of God and the Spirit of God on the inside of you so here it says basically that be not drunk with wine so you could take this to one of your meetings and say be not high with marijuana But be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Be not an addict. Be addicted to the Holy Ghost. You know? Maybe it would speak to somebody in there. I don't know. It spoke to me at the time because it was a shift. It was a complete difference between the kingdom I was in and the kingdom I'm in now. And there was a completely different. And notice for the best part of it, it says spend your whole life giving thanks. Say giving thanks. Now, you only thank God for things that you've already received. So I'm not begging God for peace. I'm thanking God for peace. I'm not begging God for power. I'm thanking God for power because all these things were inclusive in the kingdom of God when I got born in there, but I didn't know that. I didn't know I could be drunk with the Spirit rather than being drunk with the wine. And let me tell you, being drunk with the Spirit is so much more fun than than being drunk with wine, praise God. No hangovers, no nothing, and it's cheaper. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Nothing to it. So what was he doing? What's he doing here? He's trying to get us to a place to where we understand we're citizens of a kingdom that we cannot really see here, a heavenly country you cannot really see, but it's more real than even the country that you're living in right now. And that's what we want to depend on for our power, for our finances, for everything. Our home country will take care of us as long as we depend on our home country rather than our earthly country here. And the Spirit of God wants to break that tie. And that's what Paul's doing in the very first scripture. Remember when he said, you're citizens of heaven? He he was looking at them and all they were doing was complaining about the earth and what's going on on the earth? He says, hey, hey, you're citizens of heaven. Get a clue. You're citizens of heaven up there. That's not your citizen of earth here. And that's what God's trying to do in this day and age. He's trying to wake us up to we're citizens of a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom with everything that we need, and we're backed by God and backed by all of his power. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I thank you for making me a citizen of the kingdom of God. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Ghost. I thank you that I no longer get drunk with wine. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I thank you for your spirit, Lord, and I thank you that your spirit removes everything from our lives, everything that doesn't belong there. We don't want anything that's not lined up with your word, Father. And we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our minds through your word. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen.